Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Welcome back to Field Notes. Today, we are in John chapter 6, starting up in verse 67, and I want to focus in on this question, to whom shall we go? Oftentimes, we forsake our Savior as we follow our own lusts and our known needs, as we worry about the situations that are out of our control, as we sulk and lick our self-inflicted wounds. Men follow. It's our basic way. Even the top man in this world, if he's wise, follows someone. Because we all need examples. We all need people to emulate. My children emulated me as they were growing up. They wanted to be like me. When they were little, they'd say, I want to be like you, Daddy. I want a big belly. (laughs) Now they're older. They want muscles. They don't want to be like Dad in that area. But they do want to be like me in other areas because they followed me. Each of us today, by the fact that we are alive, can indicate that on some level at least, we want to follow Jesus. You're listening to this podcast. You're, you're intentionally giving up 20 minutes of your time to hear someone speak on the Bible. That shows that you want to follow Jesus, at least at some level. And we just finished reading this story about how many people just quit following Jesus. It said in John 6, 66, that most of his disciples just walked away and never followed him again. And now in verse 67, Jesus turns to the 12 that remain. And it says in John 6, 67, then Jesus said unto the 12, will you go away also? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to once again preach your word through this incredible medium to reach out all across this world. Lord, help each one listening now to understand what you would have them to know in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question is, are you going to go away also? Jesus sees all these people walk away, and he turns to the twelve and says, are you going to leave me too? Later on in his ministry, Jesus is going to teach three specific lessons about loss. In Luke chapter 15, he tells about the prodigal son, who takes half of all his father's earnings and wastes it, so 50% lost. He later on tells about the woman with ten coins who loses one and scours her house for that one coin because she has lost a simple ten percent of her belongings. And then he tells about the shepherd who loses one sheep among a hundred and searches day and night to find that one lost sheep who represents just a one percent loss. Loss is a fact of life. And sometimes we go to great lengths to recover such small amounts. 
And sometimes we let go of some of the most precious things we have out of love. Jesus just lost, by my calculations, 99.76% of his congregation. And he didn't go chasing them. He didn't fret. He didn't worry. He just turned to his disciples and said, Are you going to leave too? Basically, the real thing he was asking them by saying that was this. Why are you here? Why are you following me? What's the point in this, fellas? Why are you staying here? You know, it's always good to check yourself. I always said when I was pastoring that a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. A lot of folks just walk away from God when the first test comes along. When they, they have their first problem after being saved, they see uh, issues happen, things happen, and they go, well, if God loved me, he wouldn't let this happen. No, God's letting this happen because he loves you. He wants to test you. He wants to give you an opportunity to go through hard times and come out on the other side, having fully trusted him and seeing his power in your life. So the question becomes, are you following Jesus for what he can do for you? I mean, remember back in John six twenty six, Jesus said to the crowd, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you said, because you ate of the loaves and the fishes and you were filled. I mean, you're not after me because you see me as being God in the flesh, as the one who has the truth. You're following me because I fed you and you want me to feed you again. Are you following him because of what he can do for you? Are you following because you want others to know you're a Christian? Oh, that's a tough one. Hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms, your charity before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father, which is in heaven. Verse 2. Therefore, when you do your alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. Then you jump over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, and he says, When you pray... You shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they might be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Matthew 6, verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they might appear to men to be fasting. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So are you following Jesus for what you can get out of him? Are you following Jesus because you want people to see you following Jesus because, you know, you want to be seen as somebody who's really great and all that? Or are you following him out of reverential love? Let's ask ourselves this very hard question. Has nothing to do with music. Has nothing to do with uh, feelings, with emotions, anything. Has everything to do with the deep-seated belief of who God is and who His Son is, when was the last time you truly worshipped Jesus Christ? Psalm 29.2, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 95.6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Revelation 4.10, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. When was the last time you worshipped him? So Jesus says, fellas, why are you doing this? Really, why are you here? Why aren't you leaving too? Verse 68, Simon Peter answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
Here's Peter's confession of faith, which is recorded in all the Gospels. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. Where would, who else would we go follow? But first, before, G, before Peter gives his confession, he asks that question, whom shall we go to? I mean, you have the words of eternal life. Where would we go if we didn't follow you? Because we know you have the truth. That's the key, folks. That's why you follow Jesus. You know he has the truth. And because he has the truth, the truth of his death, burial, resurrection on your behalf engenders great love in your heart. And you love him so much you follow him. Two things are evident in Peter's confession. Number one, that no one else has the truth. John fourteen six, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Number two, Peter and the others were sure of what they believed. We believe and are sure that you're the Christ. I mean, I know that no one else has the truth but you, Jesus, and we're absolutely certain of what we believe. Let me ask you, are you certain of what you believe? Can you give me evidence to support your witness? Tell me, why do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? If you can't answer that question, you need to find the answer. Why do you believe the Bible is literally true? If you don't know the answer, you need to study. Why do you believe in a literal heaven and a literal hell? It's like the old fellow who was asked one time, what do you believe? He said, well, I believe what my church believes. And he's asked, well, what does your church believe? Well, the church believes what my pastor believes. What does your pastor believe? Well, he believes what I believe. What do you believe? I just told you what I believe. Has absolutely no idea what he believes, does he? And that's the way a lot of folks are. They believe because it's tradition. They believe because they were born into this church. They were raised in this way. Find out for yourself. Discover the truth of God's holy word. Find out why the Bible is literally true. Find out why you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Find out why you believe. And so Peter has this statement. I, we're sure. I, I, I mean, there's no place else for me to go. You're the one who has eternal life, and we know for a fact that you're the Son of God. You're the Christ. You're the promised Messiah. So that's Peter's salvation statement. Now, I think Peter was probably saved before this. But here is a great public confession of the inward possession. In Matthew 16, 16, it says this, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And so this is Peter making the public profession of what's already been decided in his heart. He says, I believe and I'm sure Let's ask you a question. Do you have that kind of confidence? It's like being in an airport and you have a ticket and your friend has a ticket, but your friend's ticket is standby. You have an absolute assurance there is a seat on that plane for you. You know you have a seat. You have the seat assignment. You know you're in row C, seat three. That's where you're at. You're in boarding group number two. You're going to be called in the second group. You're going to go. You're going to get a seat in seat C3. That's where you're going. Your friend, however, has a ticket that says standby. And your friend is just hoping that someone doesn't show up for their flight. And they can then sneak in and get on their seat and be able to take the flight to wherever you're going. That's the difference between having confidence in the gospel and not. Our ticket is the Bible, the Word of God, which brings the Holy Spirit into our being. We know, we absolutely know, we have a seat on the plane, we know where we're going. That's the confidence of salvation. If you don't have that confidence, you need to get it. 
Back around the turn of the century, the previous turn of the century, we're in the 21st now, but back around the turn of the 19th to the 20th century, Harry Ironside was pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago. An elderly man came to him once and said, I can't go on with my life unless I know I'm saved, because otherwise I know it's hopeless to seek and be sure of it. I I want a definite witness. I want something I can't be mistaken about to know I'm saved. Ironside said, well, suppose you had a vision of an angel who told you your sins were forgiven. Would that be enough to rest on? The man said, yes, absolutely. I I think uh, if an angel tells me I'm, I'm good, that should be right. Then Ironside said, but suppose on your deathbed, Satan came and said, I was that angel transformed to deceive you. Then what would you say? The man was speechless. Ironside then told him that God has given us something far more dependable than the voice of an angel. He's given us his very word that if we trust in Christ, all our sins are gone. Then he read 1 John 5.13 to the man, I write these things unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Then he asked the man, isn't that enough to rest on? Isn't a letter from heaven especially written to you enough to rest on? And then the Holy Spirit used God's promise to bring assurance of salvation to that man's heart. Whenever I lead someone to Christ, I always remind them, don't trust your feelings. I wake up some days not feeling saved. I I act not saved sometimes. We all do. We're sinners. If I rested my salvation on my feelings, if any of us did that, none of us would go to heaven. My salvation rests on the Word of God. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, He that heareth my word and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation because he has passed from life, from death unto life. That's it. That is the promise. Peter says in his second epistle, we have also have a more sure word of prophecy. He said, I saw these things, folks. He says, I, I, I saw the transfiguration. Me, James, and John, we saw Jesus, Moses. We saw the light coming down from heaven. We saw all this. But you have a more sure word of prophecy. You have the word of God. Wherein do you do take well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day star, until the day dawn and the day star rises in your hearts. And then, of course, 1 John 5.13, which we just read from Dr. Ironside. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life, and that you might believe on the name of the Son of God. So tell me, who can give you assurance like Jesus? No one. Your church, your ecclesiastical body, your sacraments, nothing can give you the assurance of salvation that Jesus Christ can give you through His Holy Word. Nothing. Verse 70, Jesus answered them, Haven't I chosen you, and one of you is a devil? And he was speaking of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he that should betray him, being one of the twelve. So Peter makes this great statement, but he spoke for the whole group. He thought everyone believed like he did. Jesus has to correct him. He has to remind him that he chose Peter and all the rest knowing full well how they would respond. Jesus is giving them fair warning in a little mini prophecy here to help confirm in their hearts that they were following the one true God. I chose you. You didn't chose me. I chose you. I reached out and found each one of you. One of you is a devil. One of you doesn't believe. I chose him anyway. There's one sure thing we can count on is this. 
The Son of God is named Jesus, and He knows you. He knows your state. He's calling out to you. He's offering you salvation if you haven't yet received it. And if you will trust Him at His word and have confidence to declare Him, lean on Him, trust in Him, you can obtain eternal life. It's that simple. It's that simple. I know over the course of these last 34 episodes of this podcast, over and over again, I've been saying, this is how you get saved. This is how you get saved. This is how you get saved. If I sound like a broken record, I am, because that's my one message. That is the message that's most important. This is how you get saved. This is how you find eternal life. This is how you become justified before God. This is how you obtain regeneration and redemption. This is how God works in your life. It is by grace through the faith of the Son of God who gave Himself for you and I. It is simply believing that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, that He died on the cross, that He was buried, and on the third day He rose from the grave physically and proved Himself, showing Himself to be the one true God. And that by faith in His finished work on the cross, His shed blood, faith in that and that alone will allow you access to the forgiveness of sins, which is what we all need. We all need our sins forgiven. If you don't think you're a sinner, (laughs) I've got some work to do with you because we're all sinners. Every one of us, every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And so if you're here listening to this today and you think, I'm good, Oh, when I die, I'll just, I'll talk to God. Me and him will work it out. I've done a lot more good than bad, and he's got to accept that. No, 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 no. If you doing good could possibly get you into heaven, then why did Jesus Christ die? Paul says, I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God. In Galatians, he says, I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God, because if righteousness comes by the law by doing works, then Christ died in vain. Let's put that in the modern English for you. If you could do something to make God happy for you, happy with you, if you could do something so that God would say, okay, you're good enough, I'll let you into heaven, then Jesus Christ died a fool. There was no reason for his death if it's possible for us to do something, to do a work that would make God happy enough with us to let us into heaven. There's nothing we could do. All our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. We need forgiveness. And the only avenue of forgiveness in this entire universe is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. That's it. You say, Dave, that's awful narrow-minded. Yep, I agree. But it's God's playground. It's His rules. He set the play in motion. He's the one who decided how this was going to go. I just have to accept it because I'm not God. He is. He made this way. Let's not be mad that the way is so narrow. Let's be thankful there is a way. Thank you for listening this week. God bless you. Until next time, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. 
Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.